Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I'm Chanae Ogumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Hello and welcome to Here's Where It Went Wrong, the podcast where every week we have one of our favorite comedians to talk about one of their favorite things in history, pop culture and sports and trace its history back to find out exactly where it went off the rails. I'm joined as always by my fantastic co-host Andrew Nadeau. Andrew, how you doing buddy? I'm doing great. I think this is our first episode where it is actually all pop culture history and sports in a single episode. Oh! Oh shit, we hit the tri- we're going to hit the trifecta today. We got all three. Yeah. Well, this is our first winter episode too cuz it snowed in Chicago 2 days ago. First snow of the season. I always get very excited. My girlfriend hates it. She, you know, texts me is like, "Cool, this means we're going to be locked inside for like 2 months." And I'm like a 4-year-old is like, "No, but it's pretty." And she's like, "Cool, you're an adult. You have outdoor responsibilities." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know you have to leave well, before you had to leave. <laughs> right, now it's a you bit easier. You don't really have to leave anymore. Yeah, yeah. so finally, I, this is a, finally a win for me. So yeah, we've got our winter episode going, and um, I'm, I'm doing good. Man, that's great. Man, when it started snowing the other day, I lost my mind for <laughs> like a good 20 I was just, the second I looked out and had that moment first of, oh, it's so pretty, immediately followed by, this is what my life is going to be like for the next seven months in Chicago. Yeah, that's where Anna goes immediately. After we get like the fourth snow where it's sticks then i start getting annoyed but i can enjoy that i can ride this for a while congratulations for being able to live in the moment andrew because my childlike wonder is is just never ending <laughs> well guys today we have on a very fantastic comedian you have seen her work in the av club vulture variety you've seen her comedic work on twitter and the onion she also has her own podcast out tv i say with ashley ray Guys, Ashley Ray, how you doing? Hi, good. I'm so happy to be here. So happy to be on your winter episode. Our very first winter episode. I mean, again, just giddy. I yeah. realize I should not be this excited about the changing of seasons. It happens every year, but we're so glad we could have you for this. Yeah, I mean, I moved to LA like a, a few months ago right. and I miss the seasons. I miss winter. So 
I wish I was seeing that Chicago snow. Good. You've got Please. this vicarious connection now. I mean, LA, I assume, well, I mean, you know, everything's on fire right now in California. So probably yes, not great. Yeah. But other than that. I mean, I, right now it's it's just been like fireworks. That's all I can describe as the weather with like the, the Dodgers winning. Oh, it's that's right. Fireworks. Okay, so yeah, I mean that, that's I mean I guess fireworks is weather, yeah. It, it is right now <laughs> the is. way I they're doing it. it. They've made it weather. I love, by the way, that this is dropping on election day, but we're just like, guys, it's the winter episode. <laughs> Look, we we've got we've got election day content, but honestly, I want to know what happens first. I want to know how depressing this show should be. So yeah. we've got a guest lined up, and we we've got some really good historical American political history. Historical history that is is solid professional way to speak. <laughs> We've got some American political history and a really good guess for you. But yeah, I wanted to see how this turns out first. So right now, let's listen to this before you see the results and enjoy the winter because uh, it could be rough in a couple hours. <laughs> oh, yeah, could be could be a long winter. Yeah. ahead. So let's let's enjoy these beautiful moments <laughs> of, of cold weather. So let's talk about absolutely anything else other than politics. Absolutely. <laughs> and guys, we're going to talk about something that I look forward to every four years. Uh, <laughs> We're going to talk about figure skating today. Yeah, we dug deep. We got into the history of skating, which goes back super far. We managed to trace this all the way back to 1800 BCE in Scandinavia. Previous records suggested only 1000 BCE, but after a couple a couple years ago, uh, Federico Fermenti suggests, no, this was actually earlier. The first skating was bone skates. They took the shank or rib bones of elk, oxen, reindeer, something similar. These were the original skates. This was used for transportation at the time, and this was typically done in heavily canaled areas. This is where you would be traveling by boat. It's winter. You now need a way to get across ice. So uh, bones, not like regular skates, there's nothing sharp. You can't push off. You've just got a big stick, and you propel yourself like you have a gondola, <laughs> but you're standing on bone to do it. And this was the history of skating, not figure skating yet. I mean, they might have looked good doing it. We don't know, but it was mostly transportation at this point i just want to start off just so we know has anyone here ever done any kind of competitive ice skating so actually what what kind of made me passionate about this topic is that i don't do figure skating i don't like ice you fall it's cold <laughs> i don't like that you gotta wear coats what i did do what i currently do is aggressive quad skating so that is roller skating outdoors on ramps which i think is cooler than figure skating absolutely but my passion for quad skating came because i I thought figure skating is so interesting. It's history. Roller skating, not in the Olympics. So <laughs> yet <laughs> it should be what just just the X Games. No, it should be an yeah. Olympic sport. It should be. That's another podcast. Oh my God, that's... <laughs> I'm so glad I asked this question now. Oh, I did not like I was expecting all of us to be like, no, but then you bust out. I've been like hardcore quad skating. It was actually I decided to kind of take it the training seriously uh, when I saw the Itania movie. That was what kind of made me go like skating is a thing I could really like do I got my roller skates started taking like classes to really learn how to do it outside but figure skating is like the prettier sister so you know every four years I'm happy to support my the prettier sister of what I do <laughs> But at the same time, there there's some jealousy. There's oh, exactly. Some issues there. The quad yeah. skating is is this like the speed skating, or is this more like figure skating, where it's it's more you know uh, dance performance based? Yeah, it's more it's more like figure skating. Okay. It's more dance performance based. There's some where it's maybe more you're like a roller ring type deal, you know, where you see people like going backwards doing stuff like that. But it also has like a hardcore aspect where you're someone who like does ramps and bowls, uh, and that's what I'm training to do. I am not very good yet. <laughs> I can like. I can grind, I can do a few tricks, <laughs> but uh, 
you know, it's it's a little cooler. I, I heard when asked the question, and I thought, why why would when ask this? What is the chance we would have a guest <laughs> that has this kind of skill? This is not our; these are not our peers. <laughs> I, I'm losing my mind at how much I love this right yeah, now. This is yeah, incredible. I feel like most people don't even know aggressive quad skating is a thing. I uh, did. Gets- yeah. yeah, I'm <laughs> learning on my own podcast today. Yeah. And I love it. People are always like, "Oh, as a kid, I used to love going to the roller rink for my birthday," and it's like actually full grown adults. Uh, have turned this into a really fun, great sport. Uh, there are some great women who lead it too, which is another reason that pulled me in. Women are kind of the biggest people in the aggressive quad skating rink. Oh, and like you'll see, yeah, it's you'll see them like all over the world, like try, like just going through the streets because it's kind of aggressive quad skating is kind of like okay, can you do tricks? But it's also how can you skate in public areas? <laughs> so you see people go through like very crowded markets or malls and just try to like weave through as many people as they can. So like part of like the trick is not injuring a child. Yes, not injuring <laughs> a child or yourself. I have injured myself many times. So I'm no pro. Sure. So this is, is parkour on skates. This is fantastic. I can't believe we didn't know this existed. Obviously, this is our next episode. Forget politics. We got to talk about this forever now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving this. No, my my history with skating. So I was an avid like, oh, roller rink birthdays. These are the best. Yeah. And yeah. around like sixth grade, I go to the roller rink and like they do like the races around. And it's like whoever could do four laps around. And like I was so confident in my skating. I'm in the lead. I'm going. Some kid grabs the back of my shirt and like yanks me to the ground i just bounce (laughs) off the floor i looked like quasimodo for like three weeks just like the biggest goose egg right above (laughs) my eye and like i was like in school like trying to hide it like i am not a monster like that was like my entire like imagine sixth grade too like you're not already like happy to be seen but to be seen with like this giant quasimodo face was awful for me it was just not a good time and i lost lost the race no yeah Yeah. i didn't even i I would like to say that i got up and finished it but no i uh i cried and skated off the rink yeah that's the appropriate response this is this was the end of wen's roller derby career this is a fantastic history i did not know this about either of you guys i'm learning so much yeah yeah i'm i'm only now realizing like wow could i get skates that are made out of oxen bones that sounds hardcore like that's what i need to roller derby (laughs) with well here's the thing not a good idea because apparently you need like sticks to like push yourself around it's more like skiing than it is like modern skating bones were ideal for this as long as you're willing to propel with another source but uh it wasn't until we got into the, the metal skates which is like 13th century that they start developing but actually 12th century was one of my favorite because it's the earliest written uh record of skates and it's from william fitzstevens it's in a book about thomas beckett william fitzstevens is a monk in canterbury and my favorite quote from this book is he's talking about a scene he saw beyond the northern walls of canterbury he says if the moors in finbury and moorfield freeze over children from london play some of the children have attached bones to their ankles and carry well-worn sticks they fly across the ice like birds or well-fired arrows suddenly two children will run at each other sticks held high in the air they then attack each other until one falls down often the children injure their heads or break their arms or legs which again this is 12th century this is a death sentence this is you break your arm or leg or head you you die but it's like this is just kids hanging out That's real passion. That's real passion for skating. And there's just one monk who's just sitting at the side, just watching kids kill each other and just being like, this material rocks. This, is, this book's going to rule. <laughs> oh, 
also like the sticks are again these are on hockey sticks this is what they use to propel themselves but he still notes held high in the air they have turned their method of propulsion into weapons immediately before even metal skids exist they've got bones and kids are finding a way to make this as dangerous as possible so 13th century you introduce the metal blade which is basically attached to a wood plank which you strap to your shoe this is also right before the little ice age starts which is uh 1300 to 1850 a couple peak periods in 1650 1770 1850 but this is where it starts to develop where you've got the really cold winters again in the scandinavian countries you need a way to get around this has become more useful little ice age by the way not not a real ice age this was really only affecting part of the world possible causes were cyclical lows in solar radiation volcanic activity variation in orbit axial tilt and also just decrease in human population because a lot of people have died from the black plague and i mentioned this because if we have a single climate change denier i want them to know this is not any indication that supports your theory that this is fake this was a completely different thing <laughs> it's actually how the planet cools itself by killing off a bunch of people and then like everything gets chillier exactly <laughs> but then you get to figure skate <laughs> Right. <laughs> so obviously well worth it at this point. <laughs> so we get to uh, the 17th, 18th century. It also becomes more of a, a sport for the wealthy in parts of Europe. Uh, Emperor Rudolf II of the Holy Roman Empire, King Louis XVI of France, Madame de Pompadour, Napoleon I and III. So in, in these areas in France and England, it's a sport for the wealthy. And in the uh, farther north, this is the act. This is how you get around and survive the winter. And it's this weird juxtaposition of skating starting to become closer to what it is today. It's, it starts to find its own middle ground they start with the the clubs they have skating clubs yes and like a big thing for them is what they call figure skating which is not like the majestic thing now it's just like hey look i can go around in a figure eight it's right yeah. that's where the name is <laughs> very basic tricks but yeah this is when figure skating becomes very elitist very white very what we know today right away you know the kind of country club idea of figure skating very much comes from this very white you know it's also a cold sport so white sport <laughs> it, it absolutely the, the very first one is in edinburgh in a uh, form in 1740 but some claim that it started as early as 1642 and the admission to pass this test was you had to go in circles on one leg so a figure eight and then you had to jump over one two and then three hats placed over each other this was how you had to prove you were the elite skater for the edinburgh skating club why not just put start with three hats do they're, they're not accepted at one or, i've got a lot of issues with this honestly <laughs> andrew my my main question is this three hats placed one in front of the other and your goal is distance or is this the hats are placed on top of one another and the goal is height so the suggestion here is over suggesting on top of each other now this is also this i, I did not do research on this but this is uh, 1740 scotland which means that it's going yeah. to be most likely the tri-corner hat andrew andrew has this thing where he just like drops history things that it proves he's smart but also proves that like i'm not smart. <laughs> yeah <laughs> naturally the the trifold hat as, as long as we're doing this yeah the tri-corner hat is popular in the mid 1700s hundreds this is the adventure records the bicorner hat the one that napoleon wears but you see this this is the paul revere hat and this is very popular in the time what interesting though this is right before wigs make their comeback and wigs make their comeback because of an outbreak of syphilis and syphilis causes thinning hair obviously you don't want to be seen to have syphilis so wigs blow which i i love this 
just because I imagine like in 1750, they don't have hats to jump over anymore. It's like, no, man, we got to put the wigs down and just make do. No, so there's a syphilis outbreak. Piles of wigs. It's it's massive. It spreads across Europe. So wigs take over so people can pretend they have hair. And uh, this is actually where the term big wig comes from because they start being sold for thousands of dollars to the elite, up to $10,000 in modern money. And also around 1795, it drops out because instead the association was reversed to where if you're wearing a wig, it means you have syphilis. <laughs> Andrew, I'm so mad. I just tried to get you on. We tried to get you with how tall the hat was. You gave us the history of the hat before this hat. You gave us a history of this hat. And you gave us a history of wigs and why they were worn afterwards up until when wigs went out of style. That is how smart you are. And the shifting views of, of syphilis. Yeah. It was- history. <laughs> And how pe- and how people were perceived. We just hats. tried to do a fun gotcha on how tall was the hat, Andrew, and you <laughs> went on this tangent that's never made me feel more. For one, I was super interested in everything you had to say, and I learned a lot. And two, I am feeling so inferior to your history knowledge. <laughs> Look, I would not be doing this podcast if I didn't think I had a random, completely useless piece of knowledge for absolutely every situation. <laughs> Do not need to know this. Again, we did Freddy Krueger. I had to Google, like, was he the guy with the knives? <laughs> but, he was. I did. I, I did. I was yeah. the lead on that one. <laughs> right. But no, weird history stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm on yeah, it. I, I, will, uh, I will say, speaking from my my aggressive quad skating experience that putting the hats on top of each other to go for height makes a lot of sense because you want to prove that you have the control power it's not just about how far how high you can jump but you also want to show people i can do a little jump i can do a medium jump i can do the big jump and that'll be kind of important later because your ability to control your jump becomes kind of one of the defining things of success in figure skating uh, and it really kind of will tell people what kind of jumps you can do. Oh, so is that why they did the one, two, and three then? I thought it was like working your way up. Yeah, I would I would imagine that it was to prove like, hey, I can do, I have this kind of control over my jumps. And it would also have to do with distance because to get certain jumps off the ground, you have to be able to prove you can lift yourself to certain heights. That is, uh, we've just got this range of knowledge here that is so unexpected. <laughs> I'm, lo- yeah. I'm loving this. I have, I'm barely able to to really have any good input, but I am happy to interject with how smart you guys are and how much I love it. <laughs> well, we've, uh, honestly, we've got to do a hat episode. Or something. There was a riot the first time a top hat was worn. We can cover that some episode. <laughs> I cannot wait for that one. I won't distract with my questions. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, we, we got time. We got, Look, it's, it's a small ride. Honestly, there, there's something just that might not have really happened. But basically, the hat was too tall and shiny. And they said, he's got to be doing this to screw with people and riot. <laughs> <laughs> but could anyone jump over it? No, that was it. If the top had been around at this point, this was not for them like 40 years, then uh, yeah, skating never would have happened had the top hat been around right then. <laughs> I, I'm going to I'm going to say, did this happen in America? Is that where it occurred? I just feel like that's such an american thing to be like oh oh that hat you think you're better than me? You, think, you think you're better than me with your hat this was uh england in 1797 i think but yeah so basically at this point all hats were mostly fur and this one is silk instead so it's shiny and it's big and people are just like fuck you no <laughs> <laughs> we laugh but there's every now and then like a celebrity will wear something on a runway and everyone on Twitter is just spending all day just like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Fuck yeah. you. Like, yeah. 
why did you think you could wear this? It, it was, yeah, it was insane. And supposedly he was charged, they said, for attempting to intimidate the meek, basically. <laughs> I mean, it was this insane response. But his stories look back. It's like, look, this was a, there was an article about this at the time, but who knows what really happened. But I'm sorry, I'm sidetracking us for, from skating, which we have so much to cover. So let's, you want to go and get to like the 19th century? So the winners, you know, they remained cold. People were able to ice skate. They were able to kind of set up these, you know, rinks and everything pretty much wherever it was cold. However, there then became this big artificial rink craze for the elites that went around. And they figured that they were going to make artificial ice out of what was hog lard and <laughs> salt. And they don't have the ability to refrigerate. So can you imagine <laughs> trying to go on a romantic evening of ice skating and you're just smelling slaughtered pig lightly seasoned. <laughs> like, right. If you had the technology to keep this cold enough, you would be using ice. This is a bad idea. Yeah. Like somebody threw it out there and everyone was just like on board immediately. And then they did it to scale and they were like, fuck this. Like, that's just how badly they had to skate. That's the that's how deep the passion goes. You know, just imagine these like fancy rich people just like, ah. Gotta skate I on that, skate. that lard. Starves over their noses. Just like, <laughs> I gotta get my fix. So it not surprisingly does not last too long because people can only put up with so much, but they've all started mass producing skates as cheap as 25 cents in 1862, which, you know, is not 25 cents today, but still enough that the average person can afford it, which is a big shift because there also aren't really private rinks, which we, this is an event where you have people of different classes associating. Everyone dresses nice to go ice skating. This is a, an event, but you don't have people of different classes, but it's also one of the few events that's not sexually segregated. You can have single men and women skating together absolute scandal but they're surprisingly cool with it everyone's like well we gotta skate man what do you want us to do <laughs> you fly like a bird yeah. it's so much fun. <laughs> in 1876 they had the first mechanically frozen ice rinks so these were they pretty much laid out copper pipes that were carrying glycerin nitrogen peroxide and water the pipes were covered by water and then pretty much would push through the solution in order to keep everything frozen which honestly, to me, that's like, how did you even come up with that in 1876? Yeah, this is actually a, a guy who uh, is trying to ship meat from other countries came up with it. And then he realized like, oh, man, I got to ship meat from other countries or I can stay in one place and freeze a pond. I'm going to do that one. <laughs> so uh, he gets rich off this idea. There are ice carnivals pretty much everywhere. New, New York opens one in Central Park. And then we get to really modern skating with the appearance of Jackson Haynes, who is uh, the best figure of his time. He's also develops the first skate with the blade permanently fixed to the boot. He also adds a curl to the front, which uh, is is a big... Uh, oh, actually, I think they added the curl earlier. He adds some of the, the grip to it. So he's advancing skate technology here. He's also the first to incorporate ballet and dance into skating. Before this, figure skating was, as Wen said, figure. You're doing shapes. And jumping hats. And jumping hats. Yeah. Don't forget the hats. We went on Don't a whole tangent on hats. <laughs> right. I, I feel like you're you downplaying include the hats. Yeah. Three hat jumps. I still could not do it. Honestly, it is it is beyond me. So Haynes, America, England, they don't like it. They want their figure eight and nothing else. He goes to Sweden and Austria and they cannot get enough of him. Jackson Haynes is, is the start of figure skating as we know it today. He opens the Vienna School. Uh, he dies in 1875, but his students continue 
continue it. And and they start the first organization, the International Skating Organization, which is one that st- is still around today. Pretty much like most uh, most of the big time modern figure skaters came from this sort of school, which is why the rules in figure skating are still so traditional. Right. It comes from, I mean, I mean, Jackson was great, but come on, kind of boring of a day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll stiff. <laughs> I mean, I just got to say, I was shocked by like how surprised I was like, of course, figure skating, as we know, it was like someone who just does ballet putting on skates. And yeah, yeah. when I read that, I was like, oh, oh. my God, of course. <laughs> Again, same places that reject the top hat cannot handle this. This is, is beyond them. Hockey, by the way, starts appearing here and it's it's more modern from 1875 Montreal. Before that, you still have shinny and versions going back to like 1600. But we've got to the 20th century now. We've got Oruk uh, Sacha. Uh, appears obviously the the jump is still after him he was the one i'm sorry you gotta we're gonna have my editor fix this at the beginning uh, where i said uh haynes graded the, the serrated blade that was south that does the serrated blade haynes uh, just did the uh metal straight onto the shoe itself but this allows for the kind of jumps that ashley was talking about you can suddenly grip the ice here and it is a huge evolution in the sport because before it's like you're gliding on ice you gotta try and make this happen while you're still drifting forward here you can now propel yourself forward and it completely completely changes the game so much so that 1908 figure skating becomes an Olympic sport first winter sport even introduced but it, it's they gotta have it uh, so uh so this is all largely thanks to Salchow it's just that good can you imagine like this was even a sport yeah like Jackson Haynes Bay was what it was in 1865 so started a school people started doing it so he pretty much invented a form and then started a school for that form. and within like 50 years they have to create a whole new olympics because they're like we gotta do this yeah it's insane it's just so cool it, it was it was really impressive there was a, a lot of really quick developments too uh you know, with uh, aside from the skates they also figured out how to make ice pure which you know meant they could go faster there were a lot of developments here this doesn't really pick up until like the 1980s but there are already changes and we also have sonia henny appear here which is one of the first women to make this elegant in fact she's wearing a scandalously short skirt to only her knees which at before this it was bulky you were dressed for the ice and uh sonia henny she is a hollywood starlet as as well as a uh 10-time national what international medal winner she's absolutely fantastic and changes the game as well the ronda rousey of her yes (laughs) but you know (laughs) less problematic yes (laughs) even though sports how to break your business didn't you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever indeed is here to help indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because indeed gets you the best people fast unlike other sites indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring you only pay for what you need you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts plus indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier like sponsored jobs which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire with 73 percent of online job seekers visiting indeed each month Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. 
You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The Ronda Rousey of her day. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, yes. less problematic. Yes. Way, Way less, less problematic. problematic I'm sure. But she... Yeah, but she very much like solidifies this sort of expectation of skaters that would come after that you would look a certain way, have a certain body type, dress a certain way, have like the, sh- the short skirts, which would kind of later box in a lot of skaters who wanted to break out of that. But she does deserve credit. She's amazing. But she was kind of the big influence of, of why so many kind of figure skaters have that I guess, ballet. Yeah, it does know? actually directly influence our where it went wrong that we're going to get to soon. She was good at the time. But yeah, but then people again locked in we're like okay well i guess y'all gotta do this now (laughs) it's so it started in 1908 and ladies and pairs those were both you know those were at the very beginning you could do a pair skate and a lady skate and they were doing it in law like it is a form of sport where your body motions and your body lines like the lines have to be clean it's the same in dance it's it's a dance the fact that they were doing it in long skirts and outfits where you could not see the lines of their bodies beforehand to come out there in an outfit that allows you to actually see that somebody is like not like turning in their foot in a bad way like you actually see the lines of their body it's a dance competition like right of course it's a leg up for someone to be able to see the way your body moves they went through five olympics before they figured it out it took a while sonia was wondering to be like hey guys maybe you could see how good i am if you could see the technicals on my thigh work come on i'm just saying if you went to the ballet and they were all just wearing like trench coats yeah, just you would be pissed. You couldn't see anything. You would just be hoping that the that the black swan is doing well underneath all that shit. <laughs> so yeah, no, you're absolutely right. This was a huge change. This is obviously happening right after World War One. There's obviously a pause during this point, then a pause during World War Two. Post World War Two, Europe has obviously taken a hit. It just allowed America to advance. 1952, ice dancing is added to World Championships. 1968, in the Winter Olympics as a demonstration. 1976, as a medal sport. But in the 40s and 50s, America is advancing here until the crash of Sabina Flight 548. Which is not where it went wrong. By no, the way. they're so, I mean, honestly, it gets worse. <laughs> no. This is the entire U.S. figure skating team, and many of their coaches were traveling to Prague for the World Championships. So, all of the best skaters, anyone who could make the World Championships was here. The flight crashes and kills everyone on it. Uh, so much so that it pr- prompted a mandate still around today from U.S. figure skating executives that no team traveling to an international competition can fly together, which might thoughts are like this was very specific i i I get the intent but honestly we probably don't need to worry about this particular issue again also it just applies to skating this is not like all athletes for any sport it's just if this one specific thing is gonna happen again we must protect our figure skaters specifically actually yeah that is such a specific rule for that one thing that happened that one time (laughs) they they were just like we have to like spread out our teams and like nobody can ride on the same plane it's like no just the figure skaters there's something wrong with them they can't keep planes in the air if you have all the figure skaters in one place Yeah, U.S. basketball team goes down, right. who cares? We can always get basketball players figure skating. That, that's rare. We have 12 of them that are good, and we can't keep them all on the same plane. <laughs> 
So yeah, this is uh, this is a huge hit to America. Europe Stars fans, also young Americans, start developing. A twelve-year-old Scott Allen won the silver at the sixty-two U.S. Championships and then bronze at the sixty-four Winter Olympics, the week of his fifteenth birthday. He's one of the youngest Olympic medalists ever. God, you know that guy was insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> The worst. So 1868, we've got Peggy Fleming. It starts to normalize. The USSR and Russia has a 42-year gold medal streak in Paris skating from 1964 to 2006. But let's go ahead and jump to like the 80s because at this point, the rules have have changed a little bit. They focused more on the uh, the the long skate, which is about a four-minute skate or almost five-minute skate. It's no longer about the figures. It's about a routine that has to contain a certain rules and in, in moves. And uh, this starts to bring us to the person <laughs> where it all went wrong. Ashley, you want to tell us a little bit about this? Yeah, that brings us to Tanya Harding. Tanya, Tanya, Tanya. So they've created this world of very traditional figure skating, mostly white, mostly rich, very thin, beautiful girls in beautiful outfits. And then comes Tanya Harding, the pride of Oregon, the pride of, I'm sure, beautiful trailer park. (laughs) (laughs) And she basically is incredibly talented, but she has a different body type. Uh, her ma- her mom makes most of her outfits, so she doesn't really fit into this traditional thing, but she's so good, she can't be ignored. So yeah, so it's her sort of introduction when, to me, skating actually gets uh, really interesting. I mean, yeah, this was a, a huge shift, and she's got raw power that we hadn't really seen before in female skating. Yeah, oh, Tanya Harding? She could probably jump over five hats. <laughs> she's killing it. Give her an amount of hats. Tanya could jump them. Tanya was what like, yeah, you said her her she had a different body type. Yes, Tanya could kick me to death <laughs> in one swipe. Yeah. Okay. Her thighs are just like I like I don't know. Like she could crush watermelons. That top hat, she's jumping. <laughs> Give her five top hats. Tanya Harding doesn't care. So she was kind of an undeniable voice in in figure skating. I think, you know, at the time there was a lot of pushback. She wanted to go to the Olympics and they were kind of like, eh, you're not like who we'd pick. Nancy Kerrigan, so much prettier. So she, from the jump, had, you know, even when she was a junior competing, she had this sort of thing in her head of, I'm not the traditional figure skater, but I know I have the talent. And obviously that that kind of conflict's going to lead to issues. It did. And one of the, uh, the big issues here too is, is that because it's, an artistic event, it's subjective. There are points that have to be given for skill, but there's also, they get to judge on the music you chose, on the outfit you're wearing. And again, one thing that's often discussed was was she was the first person to, or first woman to land the triple axel in competition. This was one of those things where she felt like, if I do this, they've got to give me the medal, no matter how much they they dislike me. But it is is very middle school clicky, where it's like, okay, but you got to be wearing the right outfit when you do it, and she's skating to rock music. Yeah, and also you had to have a person a perfect personal yes. life they would also look at who you were married to what kind of family you came from all of that was considered if they kind of thought oh well you wouldn't be a good representation on a <laughs> box we don't know if we actually want to give you a medal it's just so crazy to me to think that a competitive sport got so insular and so like i i mean yes it came from ballet and there, there is a ballet world and that whole history and we could do a whole episode oh, yeah. on ballet but it comes from ballet. But the fact that all that was then integrated into the sport, not just the abilities or, or things like that, but just the culture of it came over. Yeah. And then they stuck to it even harder than ballet was. Yeah. You can't imagine any other sport like, say, basketball. And they're just like, you're really good. You're the most incredible, powerful player we've ever seen. But your shoes are right. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine them being like saying to like a young LeBron James, like, we don't like 
we don't like, you know, where you come from. Like, a generational talent, and they could just be like, judge, think that he's polite. Like, yeah. that's insane. <laughs> yeah. And Nancy Kerrigan, obviously, we're going to get to too soon, was also came from a blue-collar background, but she came from a, a stable family life, and she also quickly learned how to play the game. And that was something yeah. that Tanya refused to do, which I, I can appreciate from some aspects, but also it was like, again, as long as we're going back to changing the game, Haynes worked to change it. He didn't like what it was, and he sought to make it different. Tanya Harding just kind of wanted to do her thing and wait for it to become different. And uh, it was like, yeah, yeah you're really good but you you want the gold medal too i mean obviously the problem was just that the whole system was was massively screwed at this point and and not designed for to be about the skill and i, th- I think that's the thing people often overlook about nancy uh in the sort of you know pinning them against each other it's like tanya from the trailer and you know nancy got sort of put in as, in this position of being a princess she came from a blue collar massachusetts family she was you know a down-home girl but she did have that traditional slender right. frame her mom knew to get her like the really expensive, nice looking outfits. So she fit the role. You know, she was who they wanted. Absolutely. And and I, I think um, a, a lot of what, what goes wrong here is, is that there was a lot where Tanya was wronged. But then there was there were parts where Tanya was wrong and she tried to lump it all together. Yeah. And it was like, no, you don't get to put off your bad decisions as to the things that done. Those are two separate categories. Yeah. And she had a lot of trouble with that. So why don't, why don't we get into the start of where it went wrong? Because I think Ashley had a really interesting angle on how it made even worse. So let's go to 1994. And Ashley, how about you tell us a little bit about that? Okay. 1994. I'm sure most of you know this. 1994, Nancy Kerrigan up against Tanya Harding for the single for for the ladies singles uh, competition for the U.S. Figure Skating Championship. And January 6th in Detroit, where they are going to compete to to see who is going to place. Nancy Kerrigan gets attacked in a corridor. She's just attacked. Random person. No one really sees who did it. But everyone knows that famous shot, Nancy holding her knee. Oh, no, no. Why? 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 Eventually, it comes out that the person behind it is a guy named Shane Stant. I think he's he's like turned himself in pretty quickly. The whole thing comes crashing down. These people are behind it. His uncle, Derek Smith, Jeff Galuli, who is Tanya Harding's husband, ex-husband at the time, and her bodyguard, Sean Eckert. And so it pretty quickly becomes clear Tanya Harding's team maybe Tanya Harding herself had something to do with this attack on Nancy Kerrigan, which shocks the figure skating world because figure skating is not known for this type of, of controversy. Yeah. It's not known for like people busting kneecaps with pipes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is a, a huge, I mean, nobody could have seen anything like this. Also a- everyone involved. This was like uh, Abbott and Costello ice capades. It was, nobody could imagine everyone involved could be this stupid about planning it. Stan, first of all, they, they, He's already uh, out of state, but he he goes to Massachusetts to stake out Carradine's training center for two days, not realizing she's not there. And then to avoid suspicion, sits in a parking lot and moves his car every half hour, (laughs) not realizing this is... genius stuff the most suspicious thing you could possibly do on a stakeout is just like move right like slightly over every like on a schedule yeah people are accustomed to seeing a car bounce around a parking lot that's totally normal you also have tanya harding feeding him information and she's like making calls that eventually become suspicious but she's like calling nancy nancy kerrigan's ice rink to be like hey so when does she like go hang out there just like just curious <laughs> your friend tanya hey guys it's tanya um just curious <laughs> yeah 
I love how the movie the movie tried to cut all this out, by the way. Yes. And and that was a big problem that, that we're going to this is where it combines all three of them, because they, they are Eckhart, by the way, is someone that just straight up pretends he has a background in counterterrorism. He has zero background in this, but he talks about hiring the hitmen and he speaks like he has his background. There's an interview where they're like, cool, we looked this up. You did none of this. And he's like, okay, but. <laughs> yeah, and he tries to be like, well, you know, my name wouldn't be on it because it's top secret. Right. <laughs> you're looking at this guy who couldn't even run a mile. And right. He's trying to say he was like a CIA, like a CIA agent, like doing all these secret things. And it's like, come on. Man. I mean, guys, have y'all met a full on pathological yeah. liar? Because, like, <laughs> That is this, this shit. Well, that is like that's this guy, but like it's insane how you could just throw facts at them and they'll pretend that they have something for everything. Yeah, like a true. Like I've met people like this who will who will stick. He, like he would probably be to this day be like, well, no, I was counterterrorism. Uh, you just never heard about it. Actually, have you seen uh, these films, the the Bond films? That's actually. Uh, yeah. Inspired <laughs> yes. by my mission. Like he would do that shit no matter what. Like a pathological liar will not stop. And like this is who that guy is. This is one of those things that was so dumb it pops in my head regularly. I met a guy once who claimed he had an original copy of the Bible. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, did you ask to see it? Like he he's at first he's like a thousand years old and he said, Well, it was probably written by the apostles. Like all of the apostles got together and co-wrote he thinks that that's how the bible <laughs> yes, was yeah. written they they all they all like went on a bender one weekend where they're like guys you gotta get the book done right. we got look you guys, my agent says we have to get the book done you guys uh, we were supposed to have the chapters in days ago <laughs> <laughs> they're all just doing lines of coke and just like come on put that in guys we've told the same story three times just from different yeah, no no man that's no, part of it man it. that's part of it <laughs> Some of this is different than the other. It's, it'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah, so everyone involved in this is is this kind of liar. And honestly, this was one of the things that was so infuriating when I watched these, these documentaries on, on this was this denial of reality because some of them are just lying, but also... Yeah. There's some of them that are like, no, I'm just going to pretend reality is the thing I want it to be. And yeah. it is so infuriating to see. Which is most definitely the the tactic Tanya went with. She kind of yeah. decided her reality was true, where she was the victim, and she stuck to it. Even well after, when they tried to get her to apologize to Nancy Kerrigan, she would just constantly refuse. She would still paint herself as the victim. I saw a thing where she said she apologized to Nancy, and she complained about how rude Nancy was for yes. not accepting it. And it was like, are yes. you... How how do you think that you were the one that was wronged here? It was I had to replay it. I was so angry. <laughs> if you read Nancy's account of that apology, she's like, it really wasn't an apology. It was just kind of her being like, sorry about all that mess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no. She apologized for having surrounded right. herself with people that would do such yeah. a thing right. is how it was was how it was presented infuriating behavior i think because we have all met someone like that and it was like i don't i like i'm sorry you made me so mad i had to hit your mom with my car kind of <laughs> stuff and it was it was ins it was just absolutely insane so this was was where it started to go wrong again we could have used the plane crash we could have used this event itself but talking to ashley about this i thought she had such an interesting point about what happened because this was a reality and then they made a movie about it yes so like this is what actually, you know, we get to it and it's like Tanya's not perfect in this situation. And then we get to the movie I, Tanya, uh, which everybody probably saw, probably loved Margot Robbie. She's so good. Uh, came out in 2017. And 
it changes the story in some big ways. Yeah. Yes, it is right that Tanya was seen as an outsider. She came from a poor background. She was an underdog. But at the same time, she was successful in skating. Like, yes, she right. wasn't Nancy Kerrigan. But at the same time, this is a time when figure skating's opening up. There are people of color doing it, women of color, especially black women, Asian women. So there is a side where Tanya's still kind of given a lot more preferential treatment than them. Right. Uh, you know, Yes. that's cool. They don't really talk about that. But they make this movie where she's the absolute hero. She is, you know, just sort of forced into this situation by all of these horrible people around her who are abusing her. But it's not necessarily reliable, right? Because... <sighs> She, she was a horrible person who actually was involved. And the movie tries to just erase any hand she had, which is they never would have done this if it wasn't for Tanya. Uh, when you actually read the FBI transcript of what she said, and Nancy Kerrigan also read it and said, after reading that, there was no doubt in my mind that Tanya Harding was involved. When you look at the details of the phone calls made, which Tanya repeatedly tried to lie about... <laughs> Right. Uh, she tried to originally say in a 1998 interview that she only called the skating rink where Nancy Kerrigan practiced because she wanted to settle a bet with her husband. Right. Uh, she was like, no, I want it. And her her ex-husband, Jeff Galuli, this whole time is like, no, Tanya called because she wanted us to know when to attack. And that's his story never changes from the first time he interviews the FBI. He did a Deadspin article a while ago. Never changes the story. Tanya's side is, oh, I wanted to settle a bet. And then she was like, oh, no, well, I, I called a reporter to get the information on the rink because I wanted Nancy to sign a poster for me for a girl. And that reporter immediately goes to the police and is like, that's not what happened. I gave her the skating rink information and the address. She never said anything about a poster. And so then once that happened, Tanya couldn't lie. So then she changes her story again. And she's like, yeah, no, I, it was again kind of to say it to do the bet, but also I cared about the poster. It, it's just all over the place. And she still kind of sticks to this day. Uh, in 2014, she did the, an interview in The Price of Gold where she still was just like, no, I was just trying to settle a bet from Jeff because she still isn't really holding herself accountable. And then you also have the fact that when she made these phone calls, she wrote down the address, Nancy Kerrigan's name and the time she practiced herself <laughs> on an envelope right. in her handwriting. She just she just wrote it down. And the FBI was like, we confirm this matches your handwriting. So like, what? To which she says, no, it didn't. And I was like, yeah, dude, they've Harding's got an FBI just, lab. No, it didn't. <laughs> uh-uh. And everyone's like, well... Good enough. Yeah, and, and the FBI and prosecutors were like, it was a complete match. Not even like 90. They were like, it was a complete match from other writing samples we have. But Tanya still to this day says that it was never proven to match. Yeah. And every other person involved has implicated Tanya Harding as being in on it yeah. from the beginning. They've all said it. They've all stuck with their stories. Hers consistently fluctuated. And yeah. like everyone has said, no, she helped plan this. And here's kind of the biggest tip that she's lying. If she called to get the address for legitimate reasons, just to settle a bet with her husband and to get a poster signed, why lie about the handwriting being a match? Wouldn't yes. it make sense that she would write down the address she just called to get? Right. And also practice times. Do you need practice times? <laughs> yeah. To, to get... Why change that key detail, you know? Yeah. And that's the only way that the, the guy could have stalked her was to know where the, the Tony Kent arena was. That's where Nancy Kerrigan practiced. Uh, and they were seen on camera a million times. So very clear. The evidence, her her statements changing. 
she had something to do with it. But this movie just chooses to paint her as a hero. And it's dangerous to me because it erases sort of the reality of who really was an underdog in figure skating at that yeah. time. Because really, and you see this a bit in the movie, but when Tanya was going to compete after this assault, uh, obviously she had a lot to prove. She wanted to prove that she was innocent. She wanted to prove that she deserved it uh, when she got the chance to go. But at the same time, she stopped practicing. She right. stopped practicing. She like stopped really working with her coach. She would The only place she could really practice was this mall. Uh, and obviously after the controversy, she couldn't really do that because so many people were just like watching her. So leading up to this, she wasn't in really a good place to win. People were kind of like, she's not trying. She's not doing what she should be. And that's exactly what happened. She goes, <laughs> she does a horrible job. And, you know, she couldn't even like nail her triple axle, her her like perfect move. It's all disappointing. And again, lack of personal responsibility is she says, well, my blade fell off and they put it on wrong. Maybe, yeah, maybe she, they did. But the problem is everything she says is is that it's it's always somebody else. It's always fault. someone else's it's fault. It's never she, once been Tanya Hart. Never yeah. her fault. She does the thing. Where she's like, the laces on my skates were messed up. And she like has this false start. And it's so dramatic and sad. And she doesn't win. She does. She doesn't place great. I think in the end it was she would finish. Uh, no, she finished in eighth, but she had to do a reskate. So she did this false start thing with a broken skate lace in the long program. Uh, and she ends up finishing in eighth uh, behind Ox Oksana Bayoul, who wins the gold, uh, and Nancy Kerrigan, who wins the silver. A lot of people felt that Nancy was robbed, but... Really what it came down to is that the figure skating people were like, you have too much controversy, so now we can't even give you the gold because you kind of broke your image as this perfect girl. So even there, Nancy Kerrigan got screwed over. By getting the shit yeah. knocked out of you, you have ruined- Our image of you. Yeah, exactly. But like my thought process is this was the biggest like sports story of that oh, yeah. time. Like you have like, you have some really interesting baseball runs. You have the 90s bulls and everything. But like this dominated headlines. This was the most watched Olympic sporting event ever, still uh, ever. And it 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 was a resurgence for for the field. It was absolutely huge. There's been nothing like it. Yeah. But y'all want to hear something really fucked up about the whole Please. thing? So Tanya Harding, she finished first in the U.S. championships to qualify. Nancy Kerrigan, who was injured, they give her a chance to like, practice here's here's how they're thinking they could get the most eyeballs and they could get the most revenue and everything if they have tanya harding and nancy kerrigan skate in this Olympics. right they want them both in there and they bump michelle kwan right. yes who had placed second in the u.s championships she had just finished right behind tanya harding okay and then they just kind of view nancy kerrigan practice they say yep she can still skate and they bump the second place finisher for two white girls right. yes. and this is where it's, it gets so gross that that Itania just tries to push her in as this hero when it's like she had such a horrible impact on women of color uh in figure skating with through her actions she centered everything around her that same year 1994 Saria Benali uh, a wonderful black figure skater from France. Uh, she was competing in the World Olympics or the World Championships against Yuka Sato. And Bonali is, is amazing. She she is one of the few women who was able to do a backflip, which is a move that was banned in the 70s. And she was like, I don't care. I'm strong. I know how to do it. I'm going to do it. Uh, and even though it was cool and everything else in her her program was perfect because she did that backflip they disqualified her uh it gave her a horrible reputation she was black so obviously she didn't fit this image and so in 1994 basically 
she she skates what judges said was a perfect program sato also does it's between the two of them and the judges go with sato and they say it's because of her artistry but it basically is clear that it's because she's smaller it comes down to that physical body issue of them seeing this black woman as as larger kind of the same issue that tanya faced you know but you have someone who who kind of got the brunt of it she didn't she never got that that chance to get the attention and fame uh you know she was just constantly booed and is kind of more of a controversial figure and a hero, but nobody cares or talks about what happened to her because everybody's talking about Tanya Harding in 1994. I can't imagine seeing someone do a backflip on ice <laughs> in arguably the coolest thing I could right. possibly witness in my fucking life. Yeah. And then just be like, doesn't count. No, <laughs> it's too good. <laughs> if you read the newspaper accounts, it's so hilarious because they're all just like, like the Boston Globe was like illegal. But astounding. Oh my gosh. Look, it should be it should just be a thing. If you do something that breaks the rules, but it's the coolest yeah. fucking thing in the world, you change that rule because why would you deny your sport that kind of amazing thing? Yeah, the, the the Hamilton Spectators, this Canadian newspaper said my favorite thing. They said it was the most elaborative expletive in Olympic history. The biggest fuck oh my you. God. Like Ah, God, put it on my fucking tombstone if I did that. That's amazing. <laughs> like, give me her movie. Come on. Like, right. when you compare that to, to Tanya Harding and this just victim act she plays, y- yeah, she she deserves credit for overcoming her horrible situations. But does she deserve to be this, like, just wonderful, beautiful hero that I, Tanya, tries to paint? No, I, I think that is such a, a great point because this was like, this could have been a, a fine story where you told what happened, but as soon as you... And also, she did go through some horrible stuff. You can say she went through some horrible stuff. That doesn't make what happened excusable. And they tried to paint it at this angle where she went through so much horrible stuff that it's okay, I guess. And it's like, this this shouldn't even be the story. Why don't you just tell what happened yeah. and then give the people who really deserve this movie their own movie? Why don't you just make this little thing on the side yeah, and then yeah, make yeah, the yeah. real you movie? You know, she, she did face a lot of abuse from Jeff Galuli. Uh, she yeah. says, you know, that it was akin to a coercive relationship. That's very real. But at the same time, it's like, just because you're a victim doesn't mean you get to victimize other people. And also, you see that she tries to paint it that way as he forced me, he did this. But if you actually look at her actions even leading up to the trials in detroit before the attack she had stopped practicing the triple axle well in advance because she knew she wouldn't have to use it because she knew nancy wasn't going to be a threat she didn't land it a lot yeah, after, right. she, after she did it that first time she did it at several other company or attempted it at several other competitions and she just fell out so of course she didn't practice it anymore because she didn't want to have to use it yeah and so she like came up with her backup plan and it's like when you see that she was taking care of herself like that and obviously not pushing herself to be sure like oh i'm gonna be the best i'm gonna you know as she originally kind of was you know earlier in her career when it was more of that kind of pure drive it's very clear oh this woman did some evil stuff (laughs) yeah and i i think that uh Again, these would be fine separate stories, but as soon as they they tried to angle it at the end towards, she went through some legitimately horrible stuff. She was an absolute victim of of her mother, of her husband. These are real stories that don't have anything to do with the fact that she had someone kneecapped or or possibly did. Again, she was never charged with this. She was, by the way, at the end, charged with hindering prosecution because uh, she knew about this. They could at least prove after the fact and did not report it. And uh, I was I was sympathetic through what, what what she went through but not what she did to others. And because of that, I just felt like, why, why are we telling this story when there are some really good stories that should be told? 
Yeah, she gets banned from figure skating for life. And in the movie, they really try to like make that sound heartbreaking. Like, oh my gosh, she can't even be like a professional coach. She's fully banned, obviously. She had a woman beat up. Right. And I mean, when you realize kind of the crimes that she actually avoided, it's like, yeah, no, she should be banned. Like, she, <laughs> I'm absolutely comfortable with that. Yeah, no, she yeah. came out pretty on top. Right. She, she has an Oscar, like, she has an oscar nominated movie <laughs> she got she got to go i think they took her to the awards she got a Susan Steven song written about her man that's the dream that's, yeah. that's goals right margot there. robbie is playing you in a movie of like your life is great <laughs> you're, you're doing fine yeah you know and i mean she had she had some down moments you, you probably saw her on like celebrity bo- the, the celebrity death match is the, the celebrity boxing was a oh, thing yeah. they tried to do like in the late 90s yeah, yeah. no celebrity death match was the claymation <laughs> yeah but there's like a brief period when they tried to make like a re- like a show with like celebrity like as sports people trying boxing. She yeah. was one of the yeah, people. Yeah, I think they even put that in the movie. They did yeah, at they the end. they really should have dug into her sort of career once she was banned. It gets really depressing, like when she turns to all these reality shows, and it gets really dark. And there's like she gets like the cops called on her. She gets in legal trouble with like abuse situations with her new partner. Although it's the other way she gets in trouble for abusing her partner, uh, a guy she was dating. So, you know, she, she's in this dark place. I think as a society, we were all pretty content to let I, Tanya Harding disappear. And then we get I, Tanya. And now all of a sudden she's like a feminist hero who deserves like to have her story retold kind of like they did with um, with Monica Lewinsky, which I think is fair. Monica Lewinsky is pure victim, pure someone who was not treated well by the media. Tanya Harding can't say that's true. I think the media gave her chance time and time again to come on and apologize to Nancy to get her career back. There was, in fact, an entire thing in like 1998 where they were like, Tanya's going to come back to the ice and they invited her like back into the world and they did this whole and it's like the last big figure skating thing she's ever done. So it's like they even gave her that opportunity that you don't see people of color in figure skating. Canada. Yeah. And there was even a New York Times article where they after I came out where, where they compared her to Monica Lewinsky, which I immediately I was mad about because this should not be a comparison. And she said, no, Monica Lewinsky shouldn't be forgiven. Don't yeah. compare me to her. Yeah. She and disrespected the office. Yeah. Like, no. And that was oh my God. That Tony Harding was like, Tony Harding was like, fuck Monica Lewinsky and feminism. Also in that same article, they're like, so Sufjan Stevens wrote a song about you. Don't you love that? And she's just like, I hate that stupid song. <laughs> Not Susan Stevens. No. <laughs> Too yeah, far. And I was like, come on. How dare you? How dare you insult that? He made two versions of it, girl. Like, Jesus Christ. How do you Can not you appreciate it? Monica Lewinsky was the most abused person by the media of the yeah. 90s. Yeah. And like for her to just be like, no. Yeah. No. She no. fucked up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it just shows like tanya harding is so dedicated to being a trash person <laughs> when people just give her every opportunity yeah. to just all she had to do is say one nice thing like yeah i am you know me and monica just the sisterhood and it would have been like put her on t-shirts oh my god hashtag tanya's back like she could have been front lines of this like right. white feminist movement and instead, she just has to be Tanya Harding. She can't be anybody else. <laughs> After that movie came out, you know, people like went out for interviews. Like she had like a moment where she could have like slid back in. But she's such an abrasive personality <laughs> that everyone was just like, no, we like this version better. We like the make-believe <laughs> we'll version of you way more than you. We'll just enjoy this movie and pretend you don't exist as an actual living human. I, yeah, I, I think that is... 
a fantastic summation of it and and everything that went wrong. And what we loved was the entire history of skating and figure skating. It has a deep, rich background that uh, hopefully we can explore more in the future with, with uh, a more diverse group because it still is very limited and it is much more popular. There's opportunity now if we can give others that opportunity. It's there. What went so horribly wrong was uh, surprisingly not the plane crash, not even uh, someone getting kneecapped, but when they made a movie to rewrite it all. That was where it went so very wrong. But as always, we have to defend it now. In their defense, Ashley, what do you have in their defense for I, Tanya, and Tanya Harding? In their defense, most people think figure skating super boring and a movie <laughs> about it. You gotta spice things up. So they did that. Uh, in their defense, they did perfectly recreate Tanya's programs. Yes. They truly yeah, did. Margot Robbie did a wonderful job of every just facial expression that you see Tanya have on the ice. She nails all of it. So I did think it did a good job of capturing the wonder of figure skating. Uh, you know, it, this actually was what inspired me to get into quad skating. I got so upset about Tanya Harding. I said, I will become the first black woman <laughs> to do a triple axel in quad skates, because it's harder. It's heavier to do it in quad <laughs> skates. Yeah. So that inspired me. So in their defense, they probably have inspired a generation of women of color to reclaim figure skating just from pure anger. So that's good. <laughs> in their defense, I mean, Alice and Janie's wonderful, always. Honestly, I, I was fully sold at we might get to see Ashley Ray do a triple axel. I, I was in 100% at that in point. In quad skates. In quad skates. Yeah, Absolutely the amazing. First to do it in quad skates. <laughs> there, there actually was a man who did it in quad skates in like the 80s. There's like a very grainy YouTube video <laughs> of it. And he's just like in a roller rink, like you would see that you would have your birthday party at. And it's like the most amazing thing. That people are just kind of like, we don't know what to tell you, man. This isn't an Olympic sport. You're not going to be able to go anywhere with this. Can you imagine like lacing up for a children's birthday party and like you just look out at the corner of your eye and a guy's just doing the most amazing like roller skating you've ever seen in your yeah. life. And you're like, go on out there, kid. Yeah. Skate around that. You guy. guys are completely equal. This is there is nowhere he can go with this. This is the same. You are the yeah. same. There's no world championship of, of quad <laughs> skating. So, you know, but but we're out here and we yeah. are here to say, you know, we're cooler than than Tanya Harding. We're cooler than figure skating, Absolutely. which, you know, despite all of this really hasn't changed. Uh, despite this whole controversy, didn't really become more welcoming to people of color, didn't become more welcoming to different body types. So Tanya just did all this mess and all she got out of it was a movie that made her look good. But in their defense, Nancy Kerrigan got on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, she got on Dancing <laughs> with the list. Stars. I don't think she made it far. People, I, I really think Nan we need a movie about Nancy because I think she's the one who needs respect. She got kind of pushed into this role of yeah. being this pretty princess when she's not. Uh, she, I have more Twitter followers than her. That's sad. <laughs> That's sad. We Nancy got her spotlight stolen from her too. I want. I hope she is mailing you her medal right now. I didn't realize she had more Twitter followers. I'm yeah, done. It's, it's just sad. I just like I saw that and I was like, this country isn't right. I shouldn't. I shouldn't have yeah, this. I Nancy, mean, it's, it's just impolite. Yeah. You know, she worked so hard. <laughs> That is a fantastic summation, and I hope helps direct what the future of figure skating and quad skating should be. I, I think this is a much better direction if we can help bring Ashley Ray's vision to life here, because this is it is far too limiting. It is a very impressive sport that is open to like four people, 
And uh, <laughs> look, figure skating went from not a, not even a thing to an Olympic sport where they created once again a new Olympics <laughs> for it in like 50 years. Yeah. So like we can, we can do we this. Can figure we this can out. make this we happen. Can now we have it. smartphones. We can, we can cut that down to 10. Yeah. And someday we get quad skating into the Olympics. Absolutely. We're going to get the fucking fall Olympics with quad, with quad skating. skating okay? We are writing that petition right now. Uh, <laughs> we hope you guys the will sign it. The fall Olympics performed yeah. every three years. Fuck it. I don't know. And like the, the competition is just like recreating things you do at a roller rink birthday. Like you have to do the like chicken dance. You know, you have to do limbo. Yeah, you, you have gotta, to do the limbo. How low can you go? you got to try and skate to the bathroom and wash off orange soda. <laughs> I'd meddle. I'd meddle in it, my friend. Well, this is a fantastic recap, guys. We hope you will sign this petition that I that we gotta we should make exist. We've got time. We're gonna make that happen. If you enjoyed this episode, uh, please give it five stars. Subscribe. It helps us so much. Ashley Ray, thank you so much for coming on for educating us on so much. Your research on this was fantastic. I learned so much. Incredible. Thank you so much. This is a topic I'm passionate about. And guys, if you enjoy this, please go listen to Ashley Ray's podcast, TV, I Say, with Ashley Ray, uh, because you see how she breaks stuff down. So imagine this, but with all of TV, you, you don't want to miss it. And we'll uh, see you guys next week. See you next week, Gwen. Bye. Bye.